Hey, good morning. Uh, it's Sunday, May 3rd, and I am John Firsty. I'm Sarah Firsty. We are the pastors uh, of the river in New York City. We're here broadcasting from our apartment in downtown Manhattan, and we are so glad that you're with us today. Thank you for taking time to watch our online service. Uh, of course, we're not doing uh, in-person meeting right now because of the coronavirus, so we're doing virtual church, or as people are calling it, birch. Some people maybe are. Nobody's calling it Birch, but anyway, we're glad that you're here today. I really wish that I could be with you in person today to sing and pray and worship, but of course we can't, and it's just not possible right now. But one upside is that we've been hearing from folks who for one reason or another haven't been able to make it down to Lower Manhattan for a church service in a while, and they're finding it so encouraging to reconnect to the church community. Yeah, so good. if you are one of those watching today, Hi, we are so glad you're here. Yeah, that's great. And we know too that some folks are finding us for the first time and completely new to the river and they're getting a chance to check us out through these videos. And so that's great and a special hello to you as hello. well. Um, let me just say at the outset though that if you or your family is in need, please let us know. We as a church community here in New York City, we want to offer any assistance that we can uh, in in these times of, of great difficulty for so many people. And so um, let us know. Our, our motto these days has been, when in doubt, reach out. Um, if you yourself are feeling a little iffy, please reach out and let someone know. Let us know or someone in the community so that we can uh, be with you and connect. Or maybe you're unsure about another person or someone you're concerned about. Well, reach out to them yourself and be proactive. I think that's the, the, the idea in either case. And so um, just a little reminder, when in doubt, reach out. We, we really do want to be in connection. That's right. So today we're kicking off a five-week sermon series that will last through the month of May. And it's called How to Move Forward When No, no One, one knows, knows What's Next. next. Yeah. Obviously, we're all living in the midst of unprecedented uncertainty that we're all trying to figure out. And we've been staying in one place for weeks, and most of us are trying to adjust with our personal lives, work lives, uh, just Family all lives, this different, yeah, all different stuff going on. And in addition to uncertainty, we're all grappling with a sense of vulnerability, mortality and grief and these are some heavy things but what we're seeing is that God is present in some amazingly interesting and powerful ways mm -hmm. while we're in the midst of this pandemic and I think that many of us are starting to long for some sense of forward motion progress even while everything feels so unknown and while we certainly don't pretend to have neat and tidy answers to this question of how to move forward, we do think it's a good topic to grapple with together. Yeah. So a little reminder, we uh, are in the season of Eastertide. In the church calendar, it's called Eastertide, and that's the seven weeks that follow Easter Sunday. And it takes us up to Pentecost Sunday, which will be on May 31st this year. And the basic idea is to keep the Easter celebration going. Uh, and the reason for that is, well, if when we're looking about death and resurrection, those are, those are big. The implications of all that are way too big to limit to just one day. So we, along with the kids and the youth, are sticking with this theme of Eastertide. And we're looking at post-resurrection appearances of Jesus 
And we're doing that to see what we can learn from them about how to move forward in this time. And so what we're going to do today is to read this classic story. It's a kind of an intriguing story that, that happened on Easter afternoon, and it's called The Road to Emmaus. And so um, it's going to be in the uh, description underneath the, the video, or possibly you can follow along as Sarah reads it. Great. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other lit religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted if he were going on, but they begged him, stay with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them and they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us and explained us the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others whom had gathered with them. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of Jesus and how he had appeared to them as they were walking along the road. Great story. Yeah. Great story. And there's so many interesting things happening in it. This idea of Jesus going incognito is curious, right? And playing dumb, essentially, and, and asking these leading questions. And then you have the disciples who are very sad, and they're confused, and they're trying to figure out what all of this meant. And then you've got Jesus doing some what must have been an amazing Bible study. And then I love this part where it's kind of a fake, well, I'll see you later. Uh, you know, it's been nice chatting. And then, of course, they talk him into staying longer. And then the big reveal, the big reveal where Jesus is suddenly recognizable. When does that happen? When he breaks the bread. Mm -hmm. Presumably, that's evoking the memory of the Last Supper and communion, which, remember, it happened just a couple of nights earlier. So, so many interesting things are happening there that we could look at, but we just want to draw a couple points of observation uh, from this story. 
I think it'd be great to start with the mindset of these two followers. You know, the story ends with such a fun and surprising twist there where Jesus shows up and is all of a sudden visible that in a way it's kind of easy to gloss over what is surely an inner turmoil of these two disciples. And I think today, as we're trying to wrestle with the topic of how to move forward when no one knows what's next, it's kind of this early part of the story that might be most helpful to think about. And so let's do that. Think about this moment at the beginning, the setup here. You have these two disciples, they're literally moving, they're walking, they're having this intense conversation back and forth. Jesus, Jesus shows up, unrecognizable. I don't know if he's wearing a Groucho nose and a mustache. I know, you know, what it's very curious, but he's somehow not recognizable. He he kind of plays dumb and he asks this question. He says, What are you talking about so intently? And if you think about it, look at the response that Jesus' question evokes from these two. It says this: they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. I think that's a very key phrase. And when you think about it, it's very curious that Jesus would ask a question that touches the nerve so much that they're literally stopped in their tracks. Uh, they stand still for a moment, and they, they presumably feel the full weight of their sadness. I mean, it's visible. It's visible on their faces and their demeanor. I mean, can you picture that? Can you just kind of let that settle for a moment? It makes you wonder, what is Jesus up to here? In a way, it's almost as if he's introducing them to their own feelings. He's, he's kind of helping them feel what must have been very powerful emotions. And it's interesting that they give him kind of a shorthand answer. A lot of things have gone on. And then he draws them out. He says, what things? He says, get specific. Uh, tell me more. What, what has you so intense and so unhappy? Please explain. He draws them out. And so they do. And the story they tell is essentially this. They say, well, this Jesus was a friend of ours, and he was amazing, and he did amazing things, but they condemned and humiliated and killed him. And it was just awful, they say. And it wasn't just awful for us personally, but we had all hoped that he would be the one to rescue God's people and to lead us into new, wonderful things. It all seemed so promising. But now, no one knows what's coming next. That's essentially how they answer him. And they use that phrase, we had hoped. That's past tense. We had hoped he would be the one. And so they're heartbroken and they're very disappointed and they're doubting the whole thing, wondering what it's all gonna lead up to. And don't you think that that would have been the best moment for Jesus to reveal himself? You would think. Ta-da, it's me, it's gonna be okay. You don't have to feel sad. Here I am, but that's not what he does. Instead, he walks with them for what looks like to me is a couple of hours. And they have a Bible study that must have been pretty amazing. But Jesus still doesn't seem to address their deepest concerns directly. However, look at how they're feeling, though, by the end of that walk. They're begging him to stick around. Come on, let's grab a bite. This is great conversation. Let's keep it going. And later on, they say, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was with us on the road? I think the phrase, he talked with us, is so significant. Yes, he explains the scriptures and some type of Bible study happened, but it isn't just that it was a one-sided soliloquy. He spoke with them, not at them. 
It wasn't just a matter of downloading information or revelation or insight. It was the interaction, the exchange, being together that caused their hearts to burn within them. Even before they knew it was him, Jesus was not recognizable to them at this point, yet their hearts burned. And it must have burned with a whole lot of energy because look what they do. They turn around then and walk seven miles back to Jerusalem. They just had to share the news. Yeah, I love that. Another seven miles. Yeah. I think this story says a lot about how faith can help us move forward. And in a way, it's a little bit counterintuitive. Here's what I mean. Most times, we want God to help us get rid of our negative feelings right? We, we want to feel better. So we pray, God, please take away my sadness and fix my problem. You know, and those are very good prayers. Um, but what we see here is that Jesus kind of does the opposite. He seems to lead them right to their pain, to these tender spots in their hearts. He asks these questions and he kind of lets them learn from what they're feeling. And here's the key. He doesn't alleviate it right away. It's curious, right? And I wonder if by keeping himself hidden, what he might be doing is giving these two freedom and freedom to discover and to express what they're really feeling at the deepest levels of their heart. Think of it like this. If, if the master says, or the rabbi, or the guru, or the pastor asks you, what do you really believe about this? Or how do you feel? Well, that's a loaded question. It's hard to be really upfront with that. You can't answer freely in that situation. So, I kind of wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if he was hiding himself to leave more room, to leave space for them to figure out where they were really at with that. And it seems so. And what does that say about how God interacts with us? I think that's very curious and very interesting. And by doing that, Jesus does touch on this sadness and this sense of loss and even despair that they're feeling. Uh, but at the same time, it sparks some hope. And it also creates a much bigger view of God than they previously had. I think that's interesting. Eventually, what it says is that all, all of this stuff happens inside of them. So think of it like this. He leads them to an interior experience rather than just an external confirmation. I think that's important. Um, and it's good because this burning in their, in their hearts, that goes with us wherever we go. And you could say that that's even more beneficial. That's a, that's a bigger gift than, than the big reveal. Um, now, Jesus does eventually reveal himself in a flash, and then he's gone. But the thing it says is that what they carry with them inside is much deeper than just a momentary Jesus sighting. Something's happening. And I think that tells us something important as well. That many times, and this is counterintuitive to me, many times Jesus seems to be slower to alleviate our pain and our troubles than we wish he were. But maybe that's because he's wanting to lead us to an interior experience of his goodness rather than just an external fix to our problems. And if that's true, then it says a lot about how we can move forward. I know we all think, let me just get rid of this pain and this grief or this sadness so that I can move forward but maybe moving forward is what happens when we're willing to engage those tender parts of our heart with Jesus. 
more times than not, that does seem to be how we move forward when no one knows what's coming next. Yeah, that's right. So here we are in May 2020. We're all grappling with the new reality of how to figure out life in a pandemic. And all of us are dealing with uncertainty, vulnerability, mortality, and grief in ways that most of us haven't had to in the past. Yeah. So in the coming weeks, we wanna talk about how uncertainty, vulnerability, mortality, and grief can surprisingly move us forward and that they actually have a lot to teach us. We're in the moment before the big reveal where we really don't know how this thing is gonna turn out. We're in liminal space. We're in between where we thought we were and where we hope to be one day. And that affects every realm of our life. It affects us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. So to move forward, we need to understand our own hearts, our souls, and even our own bodies better. And we can have confidence that God will meet us as we journey down this uncertain path. The journey is probably not gonna end with a big ta-da reveal, coming from the outside at least, but something deeper and more interior, which is actually really good news. I, I do think it's worth noting in this story that this internal experience that the disciples have, the burning hearts, that it immediately leads to this outward expression. And that is, to me, one of the very curious things about faith, that it's both, it's, it's, it's internal and it's intangible, and yet it's also very practical and external. It's both and. And in this case, we think about it, that this inner burn in their hearts led to what would have been blisters on their feet, for real, because they turn around and walk seven more miles back. And why do they do that? Because they just had to share the good stuff that they had experienced from Jesus. They had to share it with their friends, which is this lovely thing that happens, this compounded benefit. And you know, we were thinking about this this week that we've been doing ministry and church stuff for over 30 years, mm -hmm. 30 plus years. Uh, we, we started when we were Eight. two, oh. around there. <laughs> um, we've been doing this a long time. And you know, this seems just so true that um, when God does good things in us internally, it always ends up having this positive external impact on others too. It's this beautiful thing, this, this compounded benefit. It benefits not only us, but other people around us in some way. And it's like this overflow of God goodness. And it's just a super cool thing that uh, is worth thinking about. Yeah, well, speaking of having an impact on others and compounded benefits, we'd like to end by suggesting that we support each other during this uncertain time. And we want to offer one very practical way you can do it, and that's to pray for others in our community. We've started a prayer chain where we're praying for each other's specific needs and concerns. Yeah, it's super cool. And praying for another person is a way to care for someone, even though they're far away. Because when you pray for someone, you offer them a piece of yourself. You offer them your energy, and you offer them your heart. So try praying for people on the list. In addition to the support that they receive, you will benefit as well because you'll feel more connected to your community. Mm -hmm. I think there's all, 
at least or maybe almost a hundred prayer requests, I yeah. think, and that have been updated. Been yeah. submitted so far. And it's just really amazing. So it's powerful to read them and please do. So now you are all a part of the prayer team. Yay. Go and pray. So I encourage you to make it a part of your Sunday church experience. And if you would like to add a prayer to the prayer chain, just let us know and we'll make sure to add it. And we want to encourage us all to reach beyond our own church community as well. I, I don't know. If you're not already doing the 7 p.m. clap, you know, where you bang a pot and yell out a window. Now, I know a lot of you do that just unrelated to any of this. But now, when we're thanking these... That's a joke. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, we're thanking the essential workers. If you're not doing the 7 p.m. clap, you should set your alarm right now. There's a beautiful thing that happens just by making that racket and yelling thank you out your window. And so encourage you to do that. Let's do that together. Hey, lastly, um, we want to have lunch with you. Uh, we're going to do a little Zoom meeting on Tuesday at 1230. We're going to do a Zoom call, and we would love just to meet and check, uh, check in with you online and do so over lunch, and we're going to be sending out uh, an email with a link. And lastly, lastly, yeah. uh, this Thursday night at 9 p.m., I'm doing an end-of-the-day examine it's a prayer exercise that I lead that helps us to look back over the day and find God's presence there. And I would love to have you join me for that. Now, of course, you can always reach out to us directly. Uh, we'll put our emails out here. It's john at rivernyc.org. Sarah. No H. No H at rivernyc.org. You can even include the H and we'll still end up getting it. But we want to be in touch. That's the connect. That, that's the point here. And so um, why don't we end by praying uh, together? Would you pray with me? God, thank you for being bigger than the coronavirus, bigger than COVID-19. Uh, thank you for being with us right here, right now, in the midst of all that's happening in this world, um, all that's happening within each of us, as we face this time of uncertainty, that you are here. And Jesus, help us know that you're walking with each of us. Whether we even recognize you or not, you're there. You are ultimately leading us to a better place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for being with us. Thank you for holding us together with your goodness, your matchless love, no matter what we're feeling. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.